Trust you've had a good week and have felt God's presence in your life as you live for him, being his hands and feet. Um, just to add a little bit to what Stephen was sharing about our Be Generous uh, effort this Christmas. You know, last year we gave close to $5,000 in a gifts to those two individuals. I would love that we would be able to give that much or more groceries to the ones in our community that have need. Last year we said, you know, if Jesus was on your Christmas list, how much would you spend on him? What would you give? And we were very generous. I hope that uh, as you go and you shop that you don't just pick out one or two cans of beans and put it out there, but that you really ask God, how can I be generous to the, our community, to those that are less fortunate, that really need help? And um, we have a way of getting it to them through the food bank, and we want to be generous, be people that are known for our generosity. Well, Christmas is almost here, isn't it? <laughs> I haven't, you haven't thought about it too much yet. You're still trying to figure out what's on the menu for Thanksgiving, but Christmas is just around the corner, and um, as far as uh, sermons preparation, um, the last Sunday of the month is the beginning of Advent, and next Sunday is Pastor's Appreciation, which I won't be preaching, I guess, they told me, and um, so today we're just kind of preparing for Advent, thinking ahead a little bit. And, and Advent is, is remembering the coming of Jesus, the very first time that he came to earth. And, you know, when he came to earth the first time, people really missed it. Even as he grew and he began to teach and preach and had a following, even then they missed it. Uh, they followed him like a rock star during those years when he was feeding them with the loaves and the fishes and that he was healing people of diseases. Uh, but when he began to make his way up Calvary carrying a cross, he lost a few people on the way. And he ended up there alone, dying for your sins and mine. The crowd missed it on his first coming. And the question for us, because Advent really is not just about looking back, but it's also about looking to the future. And the question to us is, will we be ready for the second advent? Will we be ready when Jesus Christ comes again, when he returns uh, for those who are his followers? Uh, and so we use this time of year not only to think about Jesus' first advent, but to prepare our hearts for the fact that he's coming again. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples, and he was talking to them about the end of time, and he was responding to some questions that they had for him regarding when the world would end, and what will that look like? And they asked him, what will be a sign of your coming, the second coming? What will that be? And after giving them some pretty serious things to think about, he transitions a little bit, and that's where we're going to pick it up this morning, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. 
Jesus said, however, no one knows the day or hour when those things will happen. Not even the angel in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time when Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Now this warning has been interpreted many different ways by theologians and scholars trying to understand exactly what Jesus was meaning. And, but the main point of what Jesus was saying here is don't miss it. Don't miss it. In Noah's days, the people were preoccupied with lives and relationships and enjoying uh, the pleasures of life, the, the things that just make up living, uh, that they weren't paying any attention to the message uh, that for 120 years, Noah was preaching to them, uh, warning them that God's judgment was coming. There was a time when there was going to be a flood and only those that were entering this ark uh, we're going to be saved. Uh, and so Jesus' warning to the people here in his day, his disciples, was a simple warning uh, that if they had ears, listen. Listen to what I'm saying. And so the question this morning to us is, do we have ears? Uh, do we have ears to hear the message? Yeah, you all are sitting there and you hear my voice. But are we going to listen to the Holy Spirit as he may speak individually to our hearts uh, this morning? Uh, wouldn't it be great if we could just during this holiday season slow down and listen? Listen to God. Listen to his voice. Listen as he speaks to us, preparing our hearts uh, for his coming. Jesus said, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. The idea is be ready. Don't lose sight of the fact the fact that Jesus is going to return someday. Because if the word is true and everything that we have seen in the Bible that has been true, this is something that Jesus said is going to happen. And so in faith we believe based upon all that God has already done that this too is going to happen. Do you think about that? Does it cross your mind during the week that Jesus is coming back? What if it was this week? What if it was this Christmas season? What if this was the last Christmas before he comes back? Am I ready? Am I prepared myself? Am I thinking about it and living and acting as if he is coming? God has given us an opportunity to live our earthly lives to make a difference, to make it count, to not make it just count for now, but to make it count for eternity, to not just make it count in my life, but in the lives of many others that we interact with. Uh, what are you passionate about? What takes up your time and your resources as you live life? What are you, what are you investing in? Sometimes we don't like to think in terms like that, uh, and especially in this Advent season where it's mainly about me and my family and enjoying and taking and, and, and yes, giving, but hopefully that I'll get something back. But it is also a time in which we have opportunities to stop and reflect upon what is life about? 
What am I living my life for? What are the reasons uh, that I exist? If Jesus really came, how does that make a difference in my life? So what is your purpose? What are the gifts that God has given you already in your life, your abilities, your resources, the things that you are blessed with? What are you doing with those? How do, how, do, how do you take what God has blessed you with? How are you blessing the lives of others with those gifts? Jesus continued teaching, and he gives us a principle to live by regarding his second coming. As he continues in verse 40, two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, and the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day the Lord is coming. Understand this, if the homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. He's saying, don't allow yourself to be caught off guard when Jesus comes back. We are called to pay attention. We are called to be ready to have a faith that is alive, a faith that is is functioning. We're called to be vigilant, to be watchful in our walk with God. Those folks who witnessed the birth of Jesus Christ and his life here on earth, they saw it, they, they, they observed it, but they weren't expecting him. And they certainly weren't expecting exactly how he came. They expected a Messiah. They expected a Savior that was going to come and deliver them from the Roman occupation that would reinstate Israel as this uh, glorious nation that, that would have power and prestige in the world. But that is not what they got, was it? They expected a Savior, but not like Jesus. They expected a king, but they got a baby. They expected a royal mansion, but they got a stable. They were expecting a royal nursery, but they got a manger. They were expecting robes, but they got swaddling clothes. They expected royal attendants, but they got shepherd and some foreigners. They expected a royal birth, but instead it was an unwed mother on the back of a donkey. They expected someone that would be a mover and shaker in our world, but instead they got a carpenter. They expected a king on a white horse that would claim the throne, uh, but they got a Messiah riding into Jerusalem on the back of a lowly donkey. They expected a throne, but they got a cross. They expected riches, but instead they were just given parables They expected glory and honor, but it ended in crucifixion. They expected a Savior, but not like this. What are you expecting in Jesus' second advent? There are people who love to study Bible prophecy and the accounts of the last days and of Christ's return and Much teaching has gone into that and and many people have studied the metaphors and the mystery of the language of the prophecies of when Jesus will come back and sometimes we can get so confused we just kind of put it aside. Uh, 
We have seen the diagrams that people have drawn and said this verse means this and this comes here and this one over here meant this over there and what I say is exactly the way it is and all the other people are wrong. And we just kind of let it, you know, just kind of back away from it. We don't want to hear it. But the bottom line is this of what Jesus has said and what the Word of God said is that Jesus is coming. He is coming. And it probably won't be exactly the way that we think. Jesus said if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. My grandfather was known, had a nickname of Shotgun Crofty. There was a time here in Clearfield when um, there were some guys that uh, were doing a lot of vandalism. My grandfather had the fruit market across the river here, across fruit market, and he um, uh, uh, sold fruit over there, and they were breaking in. And they were just vandalizing, taking eggs, throwing them all over the place, breaking them, making a mess, taking watermelons and busting them, throwing them down over the bank into the river, just making a mess, not even really stealing anything. So my grandfather just decided, you know, enough's enough. So he took to going up to the fruit market and sitting in the dark with a shotgun. (laughs) And people would come along and all of a sudden, there were some cars around town that didn't have paint on the side, and some that their radiator was blown out, and different things. And you know what? People stopped coming in there at night after you closed up. Sometimes they would drive by in the night, he'd be sitting in there with a shotgun, and they'd just holler out the window, bang, bang, bang. Well, he was vigilant. And he knew that this could happen, and it had happened, and he was not going to let it happen again. And so he was preparing himself. And so we are expected to be ready for the unexpected. The world is not expecting Jesus Christ to come again, but we are warned that he is coming. And so as Christians, we are to be vigilant. And that is what Jesus is wanting us to do. Sometimes we miss it because we don't expect what the world isn't expecting. We just don't think it's going to happen that way. There was a mother who told the story of one Christmas in which their family was really in a tight spot. She was a single mom, and after all the bills were paid, there wasn't much left for her and the kids, and so she finally had $100 left, and She took it and she divided it up among the kids and herself. They each had $20. She took them to the mall and said, okay, go, this is all you have to buy for each other. And she said to go and shop and we'll be back here in an hour and you have this $20. Well, the kids didn't really care, $20. They would find something that might be inexpensive, but they would find a creative way to spend the $5 they had for each person. And so the hour went by quickly, and pretty soon everyone was gathered back. Everyone was excited and hiding their bags from the others, and and, uh, they were excited to get home and start wrapping. And the youngest one, her bag was 
very small, smaller than all the others, but mom didn't really think too much about it until they got, were getting in the car and the little girl, the young lady, dropped it and out spilled several candy bars. And the youngest daughter turned red and she hurriedly picked it up, shoved it back in her bag, and mom got in the car and she was just kind of steaming. She knew her youngest daughter was irresponsible and had a sweet tooth and she just couldn't believe that she would take her Christmas money and spend it all on herself. And, and so the whole time home she was just stewing about how she was going to have this conversation with her daughter. And so when they got home everybody rushed to their rooms to do their, their wrapping of the present and she followed her youngest daughter into her room and closed the door. And began to tell her how very disappointed she was and her for spending all of her money on candy bars. And the girl started to cry. And she said, but I didn't. Those aren't for me. Those are the presents for you guys. And the mom said, well, then where's the rest of the money? And the little girl explained that she had been shopping and couldn't find anything that she really liked for, for everyone, and she was walking around, and as she was walking around, she saw a tree covered by angels, and she went up to it, and she saw that they were needy kids, and there was a little girl there that had a need. She just wanted a pair of gloves and some coloring books and crayons, and so she thought of all of the things that her family had, and, and she just felt that she had decided she's going to buy for this little girl instead. And when she was finished, all she had left was enough to buy each of her siblings and mom a candy bar. And her mom was humbled. (laughs) She hadn't expected that. She thought she had it all figured out, what what was happening. She wasn't expected, expecting the unexpected. We need to recognize the world isn't expecting Jesus to come back, but he's coming whether they expect it or not. Paul said in Romans chapter 13, he said this, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. We're getting closer, he said, to the time when Jesus is going to come back. So wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. And put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day and live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness. Or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living. Or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself in the, with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Those are pretty strong words of warning from Paul, but they're practical words and they're convicting words and they're words that call for action on a personal level. Let's look at a few of those phrases in that passage. Paul calls us to wake up for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He is telling us, don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep in your faith. It's so easy to just drift along, drift away from passion, drift away from intensity and intentionality. It's easy to just begin begin to be what I want and less of what Jesus wants. Uh, 
It's easy to become lukewarm as Jesus talks about in the book of Revelation uh, and just coast along in our relationship with him. So I ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus? Are you working at it every day? What have you done this week to strengthen, to develop your relationship with Jesus? Are you building that relationship, drawing closer to him? And then he said, remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. This is very straightforward and simple. If things are coming into your life that are not what God wants, that he points to and says, that's wrong, that's sinful, what are we doing about them? He said, get rid of them like you would take off dirty clothes. Only you may know what it is in your heart that God may put his finger on. But when God speaks to us, what is it that we hear? God is saying, stop that. In the strength of my my presence, stop that. Take it off. Get rid of it. Uh, Don't allow it to defeat you. Don't allow it to destroy you, to drag you down. Uh, Paul later said in another book, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So he said, Take off the dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. We know, don't we, what's right and wrong? In our hearts, we know the things that, that, that God has spoken into our lives. That This is what you should be doing. This is what you shouldn't be doing. Don't go there. Do this. Be this, don't act this way. We know those things of right and wrong. We've been taught many of them since we were little child. Uh, God is calling us to change our clothes, to take off those things that are sinful and put on his righteousness. In Ephesians, Paul speaks of this. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil." Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. What are you saying there? is what he said earlier, put on right living. Put on right living. Uh, isn't, this is what God is calling us to do. And then he goes on to say in that verse we were just looking at, don't participate. 
Don't participate in these things. Uh, He said, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. So don't participate in these things. Isn't it interesting how he gets right to the point? And it's fascinating as you read this that there's something really almost for all of us there. We many times can read the first few verses and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't participate in wild parties and drunkenness and sexual immorality and, and, and those kind of things. Yep, I, I understand. Yep, we shouldn't do that. But right in there with the very same things uh, is, he says, uh, that we are to not quarrel or be jealous. That we should not be fighting with each other. That we should not look at someone else that has something and say, be jealous of them or their position or, or, or who they are or what they do, but be content with what God has given to us. So let the word of God speak to us. But then he says, don't do this. Take off those dirty clothes. And he says, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I ask you a question this morning? What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Now I can look back and see some beautiful clothes that you have purchased or someone has given to you or gotten you and you are wearing them this morning. But as God sees us spiritually, what are you wearing? How is your spiritual life? On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, how would you relate, uh, grade, rate your relationship with Jesus Christ? The good news is that God longs to have relationship with you, to be in relationship with you. He has been looking for you. He wants you to love him with all your hearts, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, He longs to be in community with you. He longs to walk beside you each and every day of your life. Uh, This Christ, who was born in the manger almost a little over 2,000 years ago, that Christ came for one reason, and that was to bring you salvation. He came to die so that we might live. And when I talk about living, I'm not just saying that we can live and breathe and and do our thing, but to live spiritually, to live, to be alive, and to be ready to spend eternity living with him. Are we sold out to God and his ways and want that kind of relationship with him? We live in a world that gets things so upside down. And we pour our time and energy into things that really don't matter at times. And then we take and, and, and look at things that are so important and we just kind of pass over them. Tony Campolo tells of a story when he was a young boy. He and a friend devised a plan, a prank for Halloween. He said they never actually carried it out, but it was one that he wished he could have done. He wanted to break into the little downtown 5 and 10 store. For some of you who don't know what that is, that was pre-Walmart. And they wanted to break into that store and get in there at night 
and take all of the tags off of the items and switch them up. So that when people came in in the morning, a new radio only cost 10 cents. And hairpins might cost $5 each. He wanted to just turn it up so that when they came in, no one would know what it was uh, that things or the value of things. uh. And in telling that story, he says, so often the world plays that kind of trick on us. Even as Christians plays that kind of trick on us, getting us to value things that have no eternal value and not even give a wit about things that matter for all of eternity. What makes matters worse, we often play along with Satan's malicious devilment to get us twisted up. We have a tendency to treat with loving care things that are little worth. Get all excited about this and not about the other. Something along this line came to my mind this week as I was thinking about this. You probably heard the hullabaloo about Starbucks. Starbucks last year had cups like this that had deer on them and Christmas trees and snowflakes. But oh my goodness, this year, this year it's a plain red cup. And some supposed preacher got online and created a video that went viral and saying how Starbucks hates Christ. He hates, they hate Christians. And they may, I don't know. But it's not because they have a red cup on Christmas. He's talking about this is persecution to, the, to, to, to Christians everywhere. We need to rise up and boycott Starbucks. I would say boycott them not for that, but the price of their coffee. But, <laughs> but we should get all riled up about this. They're taking Christ out of Christmas. They never had Christ in. They had a reindeer and snowflakes. But we get all excited about this. Dan had a couple uh, things on his Facebook, Dan Snyder, and I took them off your Facebook page. It says, this is what a Christian being persecuted looks like. This isn't. Okay? Here are Christians somewhere around the world. And please help our brothers and sisters in America who must suffer a life without Christmas decoration on their expensive coffee cups. We get so turned upside down and spend so much spiritual energy sometimes uh, on things that Satan gets us distracted with. Let me just sum it up like this. It's not Starbucks' job to share the love of Jesus. It's your job. It's my job. It's not Walmart's job to make sure everyone knows it's Merry Christmas. If they do, it's fine. It's your job and my job to share why Jesus came. Let's get things in order. Let's get things where we are focused in on what life is about and the purpose of why we are here and to be ready when Jesus comes back. I just can't think that Jesus is getting all excited because Starbucks doesn't have snowflakes on their coffee cups. But he might be getting excited about the fact that I haven't shared Jesus with anybody this year. I haven't talked about my faith with anyone. I haven't done anything that is beyond myself. That might get Jesus excited. We're coming into that time of Advent. A time in which we are thinking that Jesus came and why he came. But as we do, let's not forget that he's coming again. 
And he has told us how to be prepared and how to live and how to act and how we should be living and affecting our world around us. And we could completely miss it, just like the first century people missed all of what the word, the Bible had said about this Messiah who was to come. We look back on them and say, how could they miss it? And we can be doing the same things, just living our life, enjoying ourselves, as Jesus said they did in the days of Noah, living it up, going about their life, marrying, getting married. In other words, just living life and not understanding that there was a flood coming, not understanding that Jesus was coming back and we have to be ready. And so as we go into Advent, let us go with hearts, that are truly seeking to understand what it is to be ready. Hearts that are focused on the things that are important and not things that really don't matter in the world or in the, in the eternal scheme of things. What does matter is how I'm living my life and my relationship with him. What really does matter is what am I wearing spiritually. Oh God, help us to be the people that make a difference in this world because we're like Jesus. Shall we stand? Father God, we thank you for your love for us. Love that sent you to this world the first time to be our Savior. Lord, we sometimes look back and we just are astonished at how Religious people missed what the Word of God said about the Messiah. And dear Lord, yet we live right now living our life and sometimes we miss what the Word of God says about what's, what we should do and what we should be and what we should be wearing and how we should be living and how we should be affecting this world. Lord, we have a wonderful opportunity. It's called Christmas in which our whole society gears up to think about Christmas. Many of them don't understand what Christmas is all about, but we have opportunities to share. Help us to be faithful. And not only pointing backwards, but pointing forwards to let them know that the Jesus who came is also coming again. Help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be generous. Help us to be loving. Help us to be compassionate. Help us to be bold that we may be the voice that shares our faith. And so, Lord, we're about to go out here and begin our holiday season, and with all the opportunities, may we be sensitive and keenly aware of your voice as you direct us. Help us, dear Lord, to be godly, to be like Jesus. We ask in your holy name. Amen.